starting feed right now. Are we recording? This is Pop Culture Yearbook. On this show, we pick pieces of pop culture that were important to us in a given year. We then discuss those memories and dig into those movies, albums, shows, and more. I threw an extra those in there. I'm Brad. Look at that. I'm Pete. And I'm Giff. Yeah, you'd think after a year we'd be a little better at that, or I would be. No, you're great. I love it. Well, we're back again tonight to uh, finish off our tour through 1991. The greatest good. I just just killed off a shamrock shake, and I'm ready to go. Ooh, nice job. (laughs) I had one last night. Nice. Oh, I'm feeling left out. I haven't had one yet. We can wait. wait. We can wait. All right, so um, I think, first of all, we want to uh, say hello and thank you to our classmates. Those would be our supporters who have taken the time to check out our Buy Me a Coffee website and helped us out. And we think you are the best. And I think we have a new one this week, too. Do we really? Yes. yes. Somebody we have not yet shouted out. So, hey, Gif, you want to do that? Yes, I would like to uh, shout out to one of one of our new classmates and uh, a fellow uh, goalie parent, Lisa, up here in Bemidji, has been uh, having a good time listening to the podcast. Uh, we've talked about it a couple times, and uh, so it was very nice to see her reach out on on uh, the Buy Me a Coffee website and donate a little to the boys here and. Uh, I was Thank texting you. her. I said, "You have no idea what kind of uh, kerfuffle that." causes between the three of us in the text chain when somebody new happens to go on there and write a message or donate so she was very happy to uh to hear that and actually i saw her like a the next day after she uh she uh donated we were over at her place on saturday for well, lisa night, so i think you're the tops yes buy me, she is. Buy me a shamrock shake with that money <laughs> instead of... well we, we could have changed it just for this month here Buy right. me a shamrock shake. Buy us when this shamrock airs, shake. it'll be after St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. At time we're airing, it's just before St. Patrick's Day. We're all very excited. Not that anyway, we use that on. money to buy beer anyway, but we could go buy some green beers. You could. Yeah. One uh, could. Absolutely. It will go to something else towards this podcast. So, yeah. Not going to be to any sort of charity or good cause or anything like that. It's just <laughs> no. going to be this. this well, podcast. no, no. I mean, if we get enough, we would. <laughs> Right. Just need, we need more right. more donations, and then it will go to charity. Donations, right. donations. <laughs> I thought it was trash. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I I am about crawling out of my skin with excitement to talk about this topic for tonight. So we, uh, as we've mentioned, this is our second time actually going through 1991, and the first mm-hmm. time we did it, I was completely torn because so I picked REM out of time. Because that was like my big introduction to the band, which became my most favorite band of all time. And it just it just felt like the right choice at the time. But while picking that, I was having to say no to what is likely my favorite movie of all time with my favorite actor of all time, Steve Martin. And in 1991, he put out this little movie called L.A. Story. And it is one of the most criminally underrated comedies that has ever been released for a guy of his stature who people can recite so many of his great movies right off the top of their head this one seems to get passed over so often and in fact i was out with my brother and brother-in-law and sister the other night and i brought it up 
And they all said they have never even seen this movie. And they're huge comedy and Steve Martin fans. Now, first of all, I corrected my Mm. brother. He's seen it. He saw it with me back when it came out, when we got it on VHS. But he didn't even remember seeing it. And my brother-in-law and sister have not seen it either. So I'm just, it was so disappointing to hear. And I hope that some people will go watch the movie after they hear about how great it is. That's weird to me. It never occurred to me how underrated this movie is just because it didn't? I, I th- well, no, I think about I th- it every day, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I just didn't. I, I thought that everybody knew it as, you know, just like any other Steve Martin movie. Uh, but I didn't know it was that unknown. I guess I never really talked about it that much to other people to realize <clears throat> yeah. that it was not that well known. Because to me, I, I've seen it many, many times, too. I remember seeing it at the video store, uh, you know, where you can go rent VCR tapes and all of that kind of, with, with all the other ones. I, I never thought it was that underrated. I thought it was but as well known, not as yeah. well known as like Three Amigos or, and Some it did well, ones, but... like it's very well acclaimed, but I think, you know, and you saw it, of course, with me, like we watched it together. Do you think you would have seen it as much if maybe if it wasn't one of my favorite movies? I probably forced it uh, on you. It's, it's hard. <laughs> 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 oh boy, that's going to get some tweets. But, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, I, I don't know if I would have seen it or not, but uh, I mean, I bet you would have times. seen it, but. I'm sure that I would have. I, I love the movie about as much as you do. Um, but but uh, my understanding is that Gifford hasn't seen it before. Yeah. Uh, before Never saw preparing it. For this episode. See, that's another great example, because Gifford knows all the classics, and we talk about yeah. the same movies all the time. And but this this So that's part of why I love it, too, though. While I hate that not everybody knows it as well, I still feel like you know how you have what you feel like is your movie. Like, you're like this is like mode. my movie. Like, this is what I am going to bring up. And, you know, I hope that you know it. And if you do, that's then that's amazing. So it's kind of like, you know, if you have a favorite band you like and they're not a huge band, but you find somebody else that does. So mm-hmm. everybody um, else is missing out and you're not. Yeah. It's like, well, a, and it's know, fun. Yeah. It's fun also to introduce it to new people so like for you if they you hopefully brought it up, like it well right and i get to see it just like point break this month yeah. for me you know i like that movie i watched it a hundred times but brad's never seen it so for me it was fun to introduce it to a new person and yes. get their reaction to it so so do you want to just give us a little peek different into your initial thoughts or well yeah, I mean, right off the bat, you know, it sets a a very quirky standard. It is, is what quirky. I will go with. Mm-hmm. So I it is you know, a really a very true romantic comedy, but definitely with a lot of weird stuff in it. There's zaniness to it, is yes. what I would say. There's, Steve Martin, there's, yes. right? But you just you know you're not quite sure, but it definitely gives you a taste of that immediately. Um, so as scenes come up, it's not like I mean, there were there were a few scenes where I'm like, seriously, what the hell is going on here? But they set it up very quickly um, in that regard. So yeah. I I enjoyed one of the first things that I wrote down is I loved his commute to work. I thought yeah. that was tip top. So okay, well before we get to that, then so um, like I said, I did not see this one in the movie theater, and I don't even remember it being like in the movie theater. It did make twenty nine million dollars. I mean, it was it was a success, but not on the level of like the jerk. 
or you know some of his other big ones. Well, but Father a lot of the Bride came out. Father this of year the Bride. Well. Yep. But a lot of his movies. See, the other thing I like about this one is this is like a true Steve Martin movie. It's he yes. is there. The cast in this movie is unbelievable when you break mm. down all the cameos and people. But he <laughs> is the star. He doesn't have mm. like a like a Chevy Chase and, and a Martin Short or anybody in here with him. And he wrote this movie, too. I mean, this is his movie that mm. he wrote. And so it's like that's another reason why I just love it so much, because I feel like. This is a movie that he loves. It's important to him. And being a guy that I love, you know, stands out to me. But so anyway, I watched it. We got it at the corner store, of course. And so I watched it on VHS for the first time. And I remember just loving it immediately. And then I, I don't know how many times I watched it. Because then I watched it with my brother, who doesn't remember it. I watched it with <laughs> Pete. I watched it with my other friends. And it became something that I would watch, like, almost every month through much of high school, it felt like. So, mm -hmm. okay. Released on February 8th of 1991. And so it didn't make a ton of money, but it does have, uh, you're the Rotten Tomato guy, give 93% yep, positive I rate on Rotten Tomatoes and 75 by the fans, which is always very unpredictable, but still very high on both. But 93% uh, by the critics. So if you're skeptical, well, don't be. It's good. Right. <laughs> All right. So um, I also read that um, the the initial screening of the movie did not really go that well. Like he was so excited to like get it out there, and it was he was pretty disappointed because the laughter was not coming the way he expected. Um, and he had spent seven years working on this movie. Yes, he but did. he also stepped back and said it takes ten years to tell the tale of a movie. You know, and think of a movie like Office Space, which we may be talking about in two months. It, that was not a hit at all either. But everybody knows that movie now. Mm -hmm. It became huge mm -hmm. on video. And, and so I thought that was a pretty cool description that like certain movies just take time. And this is one I think that more people found outside of the movie theater later on. So, Yes, I would completely agree. I mean, you say, you know, I mean, 29 million at the box office obviously isn't a, a huge, huge hit. Um, but given that it had a February release, you know, it's not a big summer, you know, release time or a Christmas release time. Um, you know, it's not going to have the, the big numbers, but, um, like you say, there's that many reviews on it, highly reviewed. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those that, you know, probably caught on after it was out of the theaters. I just, I think Steve Martin is brilliant. So I got to see his show with Steve Martin couple years ago when they came to town and um oh you mean martin short <laughs> yeah did i say steve martin <laughs> you did martin oh, short, a one man show i thought that oh was look at you show. i know bring it on but anyway i i wanted to go so bad to that from show but nobody could really go and so but I, it would sold out right away or, or pretty much right mm -hmm. away but so i'm looking at tickets and there was one seat open for a good price and i'm like you know, I'll go to movies by myself. Like, I actually enjoy doing that. But, like, I felt like it'd be weird. But I went, I bought a ticket. I went by myself because it was the only way I could go. And I sat in the Orpheum, and it was totally worth it. Um, but, I mean, this guy, he writes. And then in that show, he plays the banjo, and he's got mm -hmm. his bluegrass band with him. And he's he's a, he's just brilliant. Like, he can do everything. He, he mm -hmm. known for the arrow through the head. But this guy just 
does it all. And his writing is like at such a high level. He's got some great books. He writes great screenplays and he plays this great music. He is just a man of all talents. And so he is yeah. the person I look up to as a uh, celebrity. Well, and that show he did with uh, Martin Short was on, was it Netflix, I believe? Oh, yeah. I think eventually it did get on there. It I did think go I on. And of course, I again. I jumped on there and watched it. And mm-hmm. I love both yeah, of those seen it too. men as well. It's just, yeah. It was they're out. I wanted it to go longer. I think right. they're out just... again, too. Um, I don't know if they changed it a lot, but I, I feel like they, I'm, I can't remember if they're out like touring again. Oh, I guess I didn't hear that. Maybe Did with they finish up show? the wrap? They wrapped up their uh, um, show that they were doing. Was that on Hulu? Oh, well, yeah. And then yes. Only Murders in the Building Only just Murders came out. Only Murders in the Building. And that was fantastic. And it was just so great. Because it had been a few years since you had seen Steve Martin like on the screen like as a main. And I remember when that show came out, the first time I watched the first episode, he's doing like a voiceover. And just hearing his voice just made me so happy. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I had, you know, I really heard him for a while. Right. And that show, it was good. It wasn't a big letdown. It was pretty awesome, and I can't wait for the next season. Awesome. Oh, yeah. So clearly, I'm a fan. You guys are fans too, right? Absolutely. Well, um, yes. What do you like about Steve Martin? Uh, well, uh, this this is how much both of you. This right. go for it. This how much um, I understand that that I understand how much Brad loves Steve Martin. Every time I watch Steve Martin, I see Brad. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> he reminds, he, I don't know if you love him that much that you, your manner, some of your mannerisms. Um, you know, that's funny because when I see him now too, I actually see my brother. Okay. I feel like really? I don't when see he wears the glasses, I feel like he looks a lot like him. And I feel like a lot of his facial expressions and things that reminds me of my brother. Which oh, okay. I mean, I'm pretty similar to, I guess. So that's kind of funny. Right. That... Well, so he's one that's of the actors praise. that reminds when I see him, uh, I think of Brad. Uh, Kevin Klein is also another one that yeah. when I see Kevin wow, Klein, I always really... think of Brad. I know. Brad's um... gonna love you. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Kevin Stipe. Klein's every time great. I see Michael Stipe, I think of Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave Grohl, I think of Brad. Uh, yeah, but yeah, of course, Steve Martin. Twizzlers. Absolutely. Every time I see Twizzlers, I think of Brad. <laughs> right. Move on, move on. Actually, since, yeah. we're, since we're throwing it offline here, Gifford, I just wanted to say you brought up Dave Grohl. Last yeah. night we went to my son's concert, and he's in percussion. And the last song he was playing in the back, he was just they had a cymbal that he had to play, and he was just playing the cymbal. Nice. And I, and I texted him afterwards and I said, that's just how dad used to do it. Second generation symbol <laughs> player. <laughs> so back to what you were saying about Steve Martin. Well, I mean, you know, for me, Three Amigos, you know, comes up right away when you think of Martin. Um, yeah. The jerk. See, but of that's course. one of those where it's like there was two other great stars, though, too, in it. Yes. That's like kind of like, look at he's got these great. Like with John Candy and playing certain automobiles. So yep. he's got these ones where he's great with other people, and then he's got the ones where he's like the man. And so Yep. No, I know, but I mean that that's kind of where your love, you know, he's just been in so many mm-hmm. unbelievable films that, you know, yes, even if he's with the ensemble or another another person, you still yeah, I mean, for me, like I mean, um 
Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is one of my favorite Steve Martin films. I mean, it's just is the way the different characters he plays in it, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. kind of highlights, you know, his range and the different things that he does. I, I it's just, yeah. It's and awesome. he, he's also a great dramatic actor too. I don't know if either of you have ever seen the movie, the Spanish prisoner. No, no I have not. It was a little it, independent movie in like 1996. It It's a great movie. I highly recommend you watch it. You'll both like okay. it, but it's a straight, like, it's kind of like a mystery drama and, he that's not the only time he's ever done anything dramatic, but it's just a great example of again his, his range. range and how these comedians who never get you know enough credit for being great actors as comedians, but yet they can somehow go out and be dr- great dramatic actors too. So clearly, there's something in there about being a great comedic actor that just again we've said doesn't get enough credit. It's not that easy. No. So I'm looking at the Spanish Prisoner right now, and I uh, realized that. Uh, Ben Gazzara is in that, and he's the bad guy in Roadhouse. So, of course, I'm going to watch that movie now. <laughs> he was Brad Wesley in Roadhouse. So oh, really? Now I, now every I time I see it. him, I think of Brad. Every time I see Brad Wesley, I think of Brad. <laughs> Pete, did you have anything to add about the greatness of Steve Martin? I do, and uh, it does tie to the movie itself. Um, but uh, uh, what I like about the movie, as you said, it is who Steve Martin is. I think it defines him better than anything else. And what I like about it, I actually had written down that there are some comparisons to another movie that we've reviewed on the show, uh, for me, Better Off Dead, uh, because it's, oh. uh, it, it um, accentuates the imagination of the writer because there is so many like little quirks and things that aren't really happening um mm-hmm. that kind of thing and that that's what that's what ter- makes it brilliant terrific um, analogy yeah because uh you it, you know a lot of it is about los angeles and just making fun of how how california is which at the movie at the time uh my sister lived in california when it came out and i remember seeing it a couple of times and thinking a lot of a lot of what he's explaining when uh, when you go out there that's kind of how you feel as you're a Minnesotan, this is what California is like. All of the mm-hmm. little quirky things that he puts in there that are just <clears throat> hilarious. Like mm-hmm. freeway gun etiquette. Yes, <laughs> freeway <laughs> guns. Hang on, I gotta hang find on. the shortcut. Uh, <laughs> right. Anyway, go on. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh, that was a. Tr- I love that. Uh, very. Not two movies I ever thought of in the same uh, category, but they are very similar. And we yeah. talked about the greatness of Better Off Dead and how there's a an intelligence in that movie beyond what you think like it's right it's smarter yeah. and more satirical than just a dumb comedy and that's right, what right. this is exactly. like too just like his stand-up act when he got famous i mean he's doing all these things that look like really just straight dumb things but clearly well, there was more going on there i think when you it, do that a as lot. a writer sorry I, just one point i want to make when you do that as a writer you're not you're not constrained by reality with the jokes that you can throw in there and the comedy that you can that that you can put in the movie when you have movies like these two that i've just described uh la story and better off dead i mean you can put anything that you want literally and it doesn't matter what's real and what's not and um that's that's what's fun about it Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think the reason you made that connection, Pete, be, is because a lot of the things you say seem dumb, but you're operating on a much higher intelligence level than the rest of us. And when you sit back <laughs> right. and think about it, 
you're like, yeah, that was really genius what he just said. That's right. It'll yeah. take you 10 years. It takes right. 10 years to write this story. <laughs> People will be doing podcasts <laughs> about Pete's podcast in 10 years. And God, this guy right. was a genius. All I'm going to say is I know that I've picked on Pete on this podcast in the past, but I've given you credit in the last couple of weeks on some of the most great uh, comments I that you've made. Better. And I think I'm going to retire. Any any running joke right. that I've ever made, it's it's over with, Pete. You've... Oh, thank God. That was my goal with that one <laughs> comparison. <laughs> So now you can uh, sh- uh, point it at me instead. Yeah. All right. I will. All do right. That. Well, should we get into Mr. the Mr. Martin yes. Short, Steve Martin? Anyway, never mind. <laughs> you know, in your haste to try to make fun of me, you're going to screw up again. So. Right. Yeah, don't don't be too <laughs> no, I quick. I just did. I just did. <laughs> All right. Well, the movie starts. I love the opening credits. You can't pass the credits. There's no like plot in the credits. It, but there are so many things happening. And it's all these little quirks about L.A. like you brought up, Pete. And it's it's set to this this great old uh, song, La May, like which I don't I can't think of. It's like it's kind of like the Beyond the Sea song, but it's Beyond a different the, song. Yeah, it's, uh, it is that song. Is what, yeah, that's what it is. It's, yeah. OK, yep. but with the Italian or whatever yep. language. But some of the things that stood out to me is you've got they show the uh, sprinklers in the lawns and these four people like are hopping in unison up to their front of the walk to grab their newspapers the with the sprinklers their robes. Yep. in their robes. You've got the uh, they show the um, the streetlights and the walk signs say, uh, like walk, uh, like <laughs> don't walk <laughs> like Valley Girl. You've got the four-way stop fiasco where they all stop at the same time and they're all being considerate and saying, you go, you go, you go. And then, of course, they all go at the same time and just crash. And crash. So, See, it, and I and thought it, that would be more of a Minnesotan thing with yeah. the whole wave across, wave across, True. and then all crash in the middle. Yeah. But it, it just it gives you kind of this fantasy vibe right off the bat. And you talked about how not everything in this movie is real. There, there are these weird fantastical occurrences and things and you start to get that feeling right off the bat with the little things like the walk signs and and just Mm -hmm. the random stuff that's going on and i just i love those credits right any other parts i missed on that um no that pretty much well it it did the credits include the traffic report right at the end um, the, well, they, the beginning of the movies have the traffic. I think it was report. at the beginning, and that's why he takes the shortcut. Yeah, yeah okay. the shortcut. So before that, though, and then the he first drives thing, down the steps and everything. The first yeah. thing after the credits is he's in a stationary bike park yeah. working out, <laughs> yeah. and they pan down to a sign that says "No running, no running." <laughs> but he's yeah, he's he's doing a voiceover of this Shakespeare quote, which is from I think Hamlet, but it or it's from one of his plays, obviously. Anyway, but it's about England. And he reads the quote, and he and he does this throughout where he references Shakespeare, but he always mm-hmm. replaces it with right. L.A. And yep. so it, that kind of theme starts right off the bat, too. But he's talking about how wonderful L.A. is. And the thing is, there's a lot of people that hate L.A., and it gets, you know, there's obviously some bad stuff in L.A., but I always looked at L.A. growing up through the lens of it is it is just a wonderful place to live. And I've always got, like, this kind of perfect view of it even though i know it's not and so this movie again that kind of stood out to me like but beneath the surface there's weird stuff but he he is writing like an ode to la yeah well what um, was the line i should have i should have written it down i didn't have it written down but like he describes how um how 
he was so he didn't realize how much he hated himself because he was so happy all the time or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Right. And and yeah. that like kind of sums up the feeling of of living in LA. Yeah. I know which quote. We'll have to right. go back and edit it in then, Pete. Well, okay. And right away with his his commute to work. Yeah. Um, so now I he assume, gets we get to that. I, I assume Brad loved this movie from the get-go because <clears throat> of his the back window car dec- decoration of <laughs> yeah, Garfield, got a Garfield. The back outside window. of the car, not inside. Uh, outside, yeah, not on the inside, on the outside. So the Garfield like, well, was not lost love. on me. Yeah. So one of the other things that occurred to me early on in this, um, and I, I obviously there's there's probably no connection, but I put together um, a reference to Seinfeld and Curb in the very first commute scene, because he's driving a Chrysler LeBaron. Which, hmm. you know, Chrysler, John Voigt's Chrysler Baron from John Seinfeld. Okay. Wow. And then okay. in a recent season of Curb, there was an episode where um, Larry gave away his shortcut. Oh, yes. Through... I saw that one. <laughs> yeah. And I thought uh, that's what I was thinking. Like him, dry, him and his shortcut, by the way, folks, we've not seen the movie. He's literally cutting through people's backyards, going down steps on sidewalks. I mean, he's. He's going through the ox. It's like the, waving uh, at people. And and everybody's right, yeah. good with it. Like he he goes through somebody's backyard and they wave, hi, Harris. Well, and did you see how <laughs> close he came to the guy in the chair? Like he yeah. barely misses that guy as he buzzes past him at like 35 <laughs> right. miles an hour. But that's so, another running gag about the traffic in L.A. And then yep. it's it gets overblown with this hyperbole of this ridiculous shortcut that everybody's just okay with. My favorite right. part there is when he's going up the stairs and then it's like the plane sounds as he comes <laughs> and just boom the car is just bouncing down the stairways it's hilarious and of course he gets to work like right on time they're rushing him over to his weather because he's a weatherman right, so yeah he so he, his name is harris k telemacher and he mm-hmm. is not just a weatherman he is a wacky weatherman yes by the way pete Remember that? The name yeah, of my very first fantasy football team ever. Was it your first one or was it your yep. second? I thought it was, it was 98. The Waggy okay, Weathermen. Wow. <laughs> and how did they perform? Um, I think, I can't remember. Did I win the first year? No, I didn't. No, They weren't that good. That no, was they weren't that good. My team was good and then I got knocked off. Yeah. They, they, they performed like their owner had a PhD in art history. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, hang on now, hang on. <laughs> so he's a wacky weatherman. And so he doesn't really take his job seriously because another running gag is that the weather never changes in L.A. It's always 72 degrees. So he can just walk in last second, throw up some 72s. And then he also always has a little funny like gag bit that he does as well. Yep. Um, but <laughs> the best part of this is, though, after he's done, everybody, the anchors do their fake laugh, like, ha, 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 ha. And then you just alluded to the the lady uh, anchor goes, Harris, I heard you have a Ph.D. in arts and humanities. And he goes, yes. Goes, a lot of good it did you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, and that kind of feeds into, you know, our early theme in the movie is he is obviously not happy with his current state of of living he he's a, a lot smarter than what he's being portrayed on television um and we come to find out that his girlfriend is not very nice to him he's not very happy yeah. there either so before we meet the girlfriend in the weather scene there are we can start to get into the cast because they just keep coming at you mm-hmm. right so kevin pollock is his boss there his is his agent oh yeah yeah agent sorry yep, he's the agent there. 
His boss is Woody Harrelson, who is yes. uncredited in a cameo. Who's they're both great. We've talked about Kevin Pollock actually with the Usual Suspects before. Yep. Go back and listen to that episode. Um, but Woody is the first of many a great cameo here, and he has like two scenes, but but he's not credited at all for his important for his scenes. Well, so. so many of these yeah, cameos yeah. that we that we have in this movie, these actors weren't credited for. Right? Yeah, most of them weren't. All right. Why, so why his do you girlfriend do that as an actor, why do you why do you be uncredited? What's the reason for that? Well, one of one of the things was um, I know we did in an earlier episode. I can't this came up with one example was, once. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Where somebody wasn't credited because they were they they were in a contract. Yeah. And they couldn't another do movie. another. It was it was oh. Rob Lowe. He did an un oh in Tommy, Tommy Boy. Boy. He yep. was uncredited in Tommy Boy because of his contract. But I wonder so if that could, wasn't a cameo. I in no, these cases, I don't know why it is. Who knows? Right. There are probably different reasons, but well, okay. maybe one of the reasons was I because I, I don't know if Martin was a producer for this movie as well. Maybe they were trying to keep the budget down for a friend. I have no idea. You know, if they're uncredited or they it might have been a lot of them. Just yeah, we're you know yeah the uh, chase sure. one coming up later. I would I would look at that way for sure. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned his girlfriend. So after the weather gets done, he's at his girlfriend's house, and his girlfriend is played by Mary Lou Henner, mm-hmm. and she's great in this role. And she is just this like like upward like looking very rich kind of snooty kind of kind of fun maybe at the same time but you just can't get a read on her and but you can tell he's mm-hmm. not happy and so the scene where you meet her she's getting ready and they're going to leave and it's one o'clock and they're supposed to be at a at a brunch at one and he gives one of the greatest soliloquies about what it's like to wait that i've ever heard and because you can relate yes. to it so well right uh, right yes. i love the part where he goes you look ready. You look so yes, ready that I, I get just gonna say that I one. get ready. But then I, I realize like I'm not ready. Off the illusion of getting ready. <laughs> and then he ends it with, I'll be in the car. Well, doesn't she say <laughs> yeah. something? She's like, well, I'm doing 20-minute lips. 30-minute like, lips. 30-minute <laughs> lips. Well, and she is so superficial and yes. vapid, and everything is just... All it's about all her appearance. status. And she goes, waits. Right. She goes in, out to the car and just waits for him to get out of the car oh, so yeah. he can open the door for her. And she does that a few times throughout the movie. Well, they're the best right. one. Later on, he drives her home to her house, but it's her. But it's uh, no, it's it's her car, and he drives to his house, and she's got to then to go the rest of the way. So he drives. He gets out, goes and lets her out, comes back over, opens the door to let her back into the driver's side <laughs> before he can right. go home. Well, and that whole scene in the beginning where he's waiting in the car for her, she does come out in a different like jacket. Yeah, like, she, she did changed. even change after she was after she was ready to go. So you alluded to this too. So they're on the way to the brunch, and um, he says they hear a weather report that it's the first day of spring. And in LA, what does that mean? The first day of spring. It's open season on the freeways. <laughs> open season on the LA freeways. <laughs> Pulling out their guns. Open so the they start panicking. They got a gun in the glove compartment and she gets it out and she's trying to load it and she's all panicky and can't do it. And she's like, what are these bullets? Do bullets go bad? And he's like, no, they're not like milk. There's no expiration date. <laughs> so like the guy in the water truck next to him, because he's swerving, trying to get his gun. So the guy next to him's mad. So he pulls out a shotgun, starts shooting at him. And an old lady has a gun. And, oh, she's and that's my favorite line. Waving his gun randomly out the window and talking, <laughs> still having a yeah. conversation. That's the thing. It, at first they're panicky, but then they're all calm, and he's just holding the gun out the window, shooting while 
having a normal conversation. (laughs) But I love that old lady who says, you little cockled. Her voice, that little, that's a very memorable little scene. Because she's another L.A. woman. She's got all this, her hair is up in this big thing. And she's got these big sunglasses on. And, yep. But she calls him a cuckold, which is funny, which is also fitting for later. It's foreshadowing. Yes, that is good foreshadowing. Yes. All right. So we get to the brunch. And it, what's funny <laughs> is they're at least a half hour late. And so he's like panicking. So they get there. And what do they find out? Yeah, first, first one's, one's here. First ones to arrive. And she everybody is in LA so mad. She is so mad that she's the first one there because, of course, you need to be fashionably late to all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And they're not even late enough. Uh, and who is the first person we see there? We've discussed him before. Bing! Bing! <laughs> yeah. Chandler Bing's boss. Whatever his name is, we always just call him Bing. Right. Uh, that's Sam McMurray, I that's believe right. that's his name. But we've talked about him. We have a great friends episode you can listen to, and I think we talked about him. He was in some other movie with a great he was little in Christmas vacation. Scene. Oh, of course, he's yes, in Christmas vacation. vacation. He's Clark's coworker, and Christmas. and you don't want to yeah. miss that episode, right? The other guy that's there, my favorite guy at this brunch. Do you know his name? It's Jerry Seinfeld's best friend. Do you know his name in real life? Uh, Richard Kind. He was no, there, was he? it's Larry Miller. Is his name? He oh, plays, yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays Sorry. the doorman in one of the Seinfeld episodes. He yep. is hilarious. But he's got the best, like, background lines as this is going on. He's got this, first of all, he's got this neck brace on for some reason. Right. And, and you hear him in the back. These loud talkers in restaurants, I think they should all be shot. I hate them, and I want them to die. <laughs> <laughs> but then well, later we, on, you hear him again. We, we haven't. Oh, sorry. And these goddamn wrong number dialers. What the hell do we do about them? <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. That's what makes it's those kinds of lines that make this movie a great movie to watch and re-watch because those are the lines that you forget or you don't notice unless you're really paying attention. Yeah, and there's so much of that around. going on in this. Yeah, there's so much of that going on in this movie. Gotta well, pay attention to every have, detail. We have another cameo. Uh, with Iman, she is one of the uh, brunch yep. guests. Iman is this. there. Yep. But we also meet our other two big characters. Well, two of our other three big characters. So um, Richard Grant plays this guy that is, well, he 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 calls him his best friend later in the movie, but they just yeah, met we, here. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a bond among men. Richard Grant is one of the most underrated actors working in Hollywood. That guy is awesome. You recognize this role. Absolutely. And and he is brilliant in this role. But he does so many other great things. And he's been in so many movies. You can't even name them all. Um, But he's one of those guys. If you see him, you know him right away. But he plays this English guy with his big accent. And he's just the happiest guy ever. And has has so many great lines that aren't even really supposed to probably be that funny, but they just sound hilarious coming out of his mouth. He's so snobbish, and you just hate him right yes. away. That's but, that's what you're supposed but to no, do. No, you don't hate him. He's snobbish, but in a way that like you like him. He's English. He's really we like nice. The, we like the English snob. Yes, yeah, and he's really know. nice to Harris. Like he's, I, mm-hmm. I don't get that at all out of him. You know but, that yeah. you're supposed to hate him, though. Well, yeah. I mean, he is definitely. The you other know, man. Hoity toity. Right. Yeah. Um, Good use and then we also meet, term. also from England, Victoria Tennant, who plays the love interest, in, one of the love interests in this movie. And of course, I'm sure you both know or found out she was his real life wife. 
yes, at the at time, time of this movie, which unfortunately they got divorced two years later. Do you remember? Do you know what movie they met on? Because no. this came uh, up. One of your wife's favorite movies. Um, one of my wife's favorite movies? Yeah, she brought it up on when we had her on. Steve Martin, mid-80s. It wasn't Planes, Trains. No. no. She wasn't in Planes. It's the Man with All Two of Brains. Me. All, All of Me. All of Me. Oh, that's Tomlin. what it was. Okay. So they were yeah. on the movie together, and they got married. And they were married for like seven years. And they have this great little love story that they filmed, but it didn't last. And I feel like I've read, and I don't know if it was for sure, but that she cheated on him, which is just like... Which is like cheating on Brad because (laughs) he loves him so much. So, but she's great in this movie. She she wasn't into many, you know, a lot of other big things. But she, I mean, she filled her role very well too. She has a lot of great lines. Her character, I thought there was a lot of similarities with her and the love interest in Only Murders in Built in the Building. I thought there was a lot of tie-ins there because Mm -hmm. this one played the tuba in the movie and she played the oboe in Only. You know, is very similar. That she would just sit in her, her apartment and play and and uh, play the oboe and and the tuba, just like I think I'm just going to start calling you Mr. Analogy from now on. I am Mr. Analogy. I like it. <laughs> well, and this scene also has another fun, um, quirky scene. While they're sitting there, um, there's an earthquake. Yeah. And and uh, Sarah, uh, Victoria Tennant's uh, character, Who she's just off the plane. Out. From England. Yeah, she's just off the plane from from England. She's a reporter. She's in town doing a story on L.A. And everybody else just keeps talking as this earthquake is happening. And, like, there's people vibrating across the floor, like, (laughs) past them. Just sitting at the table. Table and chairs. They're just vibrating past them. They're continuing their conversation. Nobody's freaking out. You know, everybody's like, ah, whatever. What do you think this is, Harry? What do you think it is? Being a weatherman, they ask him, how do you rate it? Oh, yeah. I give About it a, a four, four on the Richter. <laughs> um, there's also some other a, a very memorable line here too. They all order uh, many different types of caffeinated decaf coffee, <laughs> right? Which is everyone gets more ridiculous than the other, culminating with Harris wanting an ice cream caffeinated decaf, mm-hmm. half calf, <laughs> half calf decaf. Yep. And then they all, and then he says, with a twist of lemon. Twist and then it goes lemon. around the table and it ends with Iman, too. Everybody says, I'll have a twist of lemon. Mm-hmm. But that's her big line. Iman didn't even, uh, Iman didn't even order a drink. That's right. She just got, that's... The, twi- she just got the twist of lemon. <laughs> she just gets the twist of lemon. <laughs> all right. So Sarah sits down and introduces herself by... They ask her how they always rate things in L.A. too. So they ask her, how do you rate their flight? She doesn't know. And so she gives it an eight and they're all like, oh, yeah, that's great. But she said something about being next to a crying baby. And she said nothing that some sleep and a good. Effing. Go ahead. Yeah. Say it. Wouldn't. I, I, I know. Wouldn't cure. And they all, you know, that does not go over well because they're all just shocked <laughs> by that. But it leads to a funny line later when um when when her. X Richard Grant says about what you said earlier about getting sleep in a bonk. In a bonk. <laughs> well, what I found interesting was after the the brunch, how uh, Mary Lou Henner's character she didn't like her because she could yeah, tell that great. Harris was taken. Yeah. By by this woman, and she's mm-hmm. upset with her uh, accent. Yeah. Like, is that, oh, this is my. I got this. That's my favorite so line. Funny. Do do the line. 
So she said, and she goes, he goes, she's from England. And she goes, it sounds fake. And he goes, oh, yeah, like that big phony Winston Churchill. (laughs) (laughs) But but at the same time, she she's completely fine with Rollins accent because they're friends already. He's he's British. He has an accent. That's yeah, true. But like you said, like you said, though, she already is jealous. She can see she it. Knows that right. She, can yep, see she it. knows that because then she is, is taken with her. She says she must have bad hair because she wore a hat through lunch. And then while she's talking to them, she takes the hat off and puts her hand through her hair and she has great hair. And so he looks mm-hmm. at her. And so. <laughs> so this is this is coming up to one of my favorite parts of the movie here. So, of course, when they leave. she hops. Uh, what's that? Well, before they, they leave, she asks him. What time can you make loud noises in the morning here in L.A.? And he asked her, what kind of loud noises? And she said, uh, like, deep sustained booming sounds. And he goes, ah, deep sustained booming sounds around 9, 9, 15. Right. <laughs> it's just like it's nothing. He doesn't even ask any questions. Right. He just walks into the house. That's it. But then, yes, so, I think you're going to say the next one. So, well, on a side note, I was wondering if the lawnmower guy from Point Break followed the same etiquette then. <laughs> during during the raid but so so steve martin you know she he has this nice little conversation with her about the about uh when you can start you know doing the noises and then she get hops in her car of course she's from england and she starts driving down the wrong side of the street of course <laughs> and he's like honking his horn at her like wrong side wrong side and he's he is talking to mary lou henner and she's he's just used to driving off, on the right right and he's like just takes off after her <laughs> Ella, he gets, a, he gets a couple day. feet away and she stomps her foot and yells, hey! And he's, he doesn't even realize she's not in the car. So he has to back up and go get her. Like he is See, so that fits in with the whole minded. door opening stuff because right. he didn't open the door for her. He forgot. And she couldn't get in herself. Right. right. Oh, yeah. Right. There's no way she can get in herself. God forbid she opens her own car door. All right. So we can see he's smitten and even she can pick up on that. Now we come to one of the greatest characters in cinema history, played by somebody we talked about just last month. Sarah Jessica Parker is in this movie playing Sandy. Mm-hmm. Spelled yes. capital S, small a, small n, capital D, small e, big e, and an asterisk at the and end. An asterisk. <laughs> a star and a heart around it. Yeah. And every time I type her name in my notes, I have to type it out that way because that's the right way to that's type it. That's the right way. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I was very confused by her in this scene. I, Cordy and I were watching. I'm like, what the hell is she doing? Because she's she's measuring his pants. He, they're in a clothing store. Yeah, she so he goes there. there. He's there with his girlfriend. She's not really in the scene. She's trying on clothes. But he's looking for mm-hmm. some new pants, and she comes to help him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But very she, lovely. first of all, I read um, I read an article about this movie that I was really happy to find because um, it talked really about her and him. And, and she gives so much credit to him for casting her in this role because she had always been cast as like this mousy, kind of mm-hmm. ugly side girl. Mm-hmm. And she got to be yeah. like the sexy girl in this movie and it changed her life. And she figures she never would have done Honeymoon in Vegas, never would have right. done Sex in the City if she hadn't been in this movie right here. Um, mm-hmm. But... I, so in the movie, she never stops. She's bouncing constantly, running around him, moving on him, touching him. And and it's just brilliant because I I didn't know why other than that she's just funny. She's just this young kind of hyper girl. Right. But she loved how much physicality Steve Martin brought to all his roles. And she thought when she was trying out for this role, she would want to think, how would he play this part? And so maybe one way would be is if she just never stopped moving 
And so that's right. her role in this movie. She never stops moving. And it's it's hilarious, but it's also so like endearing at the same time. And you just you just love her as a character. Right. And it well, also, I think, uh, added to well, the fact of their difference in age. You well, know, yeah. she's young. She's she's, she's 20 fresh. Yeah. She'll be 27. She'll be 27 in four years. In four years. <laughs> so and he's you know he's an older guy i mean i don't know how old he would be in this 30 late 30s oh no i probably more like 50 he's 40 no. uh, 46 i looked 46. That up. he's the same age as we are right now late 40s oh wow when, okay uh, i, I always think he's younger because he went man. white so fast yeah, yeah i always thought he was younger so yeah right. so i think that's another way of showing the the difference in age because she yeah like you say i like the part later in the movie where he grabs her like sets her tells down. her stop moving <laughs> or like stop jumping well what i thought about her character and um the british guy that we just talked about richard um, Brandt. sarah's ex-fiance i thought that those two characters were there to offset each other those were two extremes in opposite directions mm -hmm. yep. she was so bubbly and perky and fun and everything and he is this total uh snobbish kind of stiff and so that mm -hmm. was it was opposite reasons why uh both sarah and uh and harris, harris. just could not uh just could not they, they weren't right for for those two the and then so those two were the people they were with and so um that's why they felt this part of the reason that helped them fall in love is because they were kind of in the middle they were just normal average people and not not the extremes right so steve martin you can kind of tell or not likes her too but nothing happens here he's got to come back to get his pants later though so then we'll get more well but on of his course way he home... thought she was sexy anybody would think anybody well, yeah. would be thinking that and that's then, the and then point. of course by the way you see you get to see boobs in the scene by the well, way kind of. that, that's girls in the changing. dressing room very briefly yes and she goes the first line she has is do you like those yeah right when he's he looking at the him boobs at the he's like yeah well, then he looks down at hers in her shirt and she says do you like a break in them and like she's there's a gap <laughs> so it, yeah. those lines are totally geared right toward it <laughs> right so on his way home with his girlfriend the car breaks down and this is where the movie starts to go in the fantasy direction more and you can tell that it's not going to be like your typical you know just romantic comedy so they get pulled over the car breaks down they get pulled over next to a road sign and he gets out to look in his car like he can do anything he doesn't know what he's going to do but the road sign starts talking to him it starts Talk. putting messages up and gets his attention mm -hmm. and i love this because at first of course he's like what the hell's going on and then this road sign asks him to hug him and yes. steve martin's like i'm being filmed i know i'm being filmed <laughs> <laughs> But he hugs the sign and the sign tells him that he's there to help him. He says he's in trouble. And Steve Martin says, well, how am I in trouble? And, he, and then the car starts magically. He's like, oh, yep. right. OK. And then um, basically just kind of sets up this little relationship that he's going to have between him and this sign later on. So mm -hmm. on the way to that, I believe it was on the way to that brunch earlier in the movie. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. He did drive by a guy over. standing and looking at the yep. sign. Yeah, so earlier in the film, there's a guy off to the side of the road, out of his car, looking up at this road sign, and you don't really think anything of it at the time, other than, yeah, it's kind of weird that guy's just standing there mm -hmm. looking at his car, or looking at that sign outside of his car, so that was kind of an interesting... First time watching the movie, that was a good observation you found there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
Very good. All right, they get back, and he asks Mary Lou Henner, his girlfriend, about um, going out on Sunday. And she says, I got a shower Sunday. And he says, oh, yeah, and I really should take a bath. <laughs> but then you so do the see next, him uh, shortly after oh. in the shower. And again, the fantasy, he looks at his knob, it's all and it has this scene. slow-mo setting. And he looks at it <laughs> Hold like, on. All right, right. okay. Let's, let's uh, replay that. Okay, he, he's in a shower. He looks at his knob. <laughs> the shower knob. <laughs> oh, got it. But even he goes like, into fantasy mode. He, he's never seen this slow mo <laughs> setting, so he's like confused. So he turns it, and then all of a sudden he's showering in slow motion, and he's feeling and good. They so cut back and forth to so to funny, Sarah. Yes. So that that morning, then he goes to see his best friend. Oh yeah. Well, right before <clears> that, there's another weather report. Before he goes to see his girl, his uh, friend. Um, he puts the one up where he says he's talking to that guy about it being really cold. Oh, right. Yep. And he asks, so what did you do with the cats? And the guy goes, well, the cats were outside till around 10, but it got a little too cold for them. And then they came in. <laughs> and then he repeats exactly what it was. And then he calls it a real weenie shrinker. Right. And I think that's when... degrees. That's the weather report that Sarah's watching. And yes. she's, like, smiling and thinks he's funny. And you can tell, you know, she's, like, got some interest in wanting to get to know him at least. So she calls him. Yeah, she called him. Yeah. And he says, how do you want to do the interview? English, French, or Italian? And she says, oh, you speak all those languages? No, if it was French or Italian, I'd be out. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Uh, yeah, he's at Ariel's house now. But how does he get to her house? Th this he is what I, I want to speak to this. This is my okay. favorite part. This is one of my <laughs> favorite little, little things that if you're not paying attention, you won't notice. But she's LA his Cork. next door neighbor. Two, yep. two houses and so, down. Yeah, two houses down, and he drives. He he pulls his car that's parked at the curb and just goes straight about twenty feet and stops, and that's that's the drive. And they talk about that later that you just you don't go on walks in L.A. That's just not something people do. Right. <laughs> this scene has my favorite line in the whole movie. I've said that a couple times, but this is this is the one that I go back to every time. Well, let's see if it's the same one I got. Woman? Well, you, you say what yours is, Giff. <clears throat> okay, so he's he's at his best. We meet Ariel, his best friend, um, and of course he has to go talk to her about you know um, this new woman Sarah that he's met, and she is kind of a free spirit as well, um, and she is making uh, juice. She she has her whole setup there, and she offers him juice to drink, and it's just this mm -hmm. green sludge looking stuff, and. She asked him, how is your juice? And he says, it's exactly like licking a shag carpet. This is a great, that's not the line I was going for, but that's oh, a great, I, I know what, I know great what description. Was and then, but that's funny because that comes back because he pours the rest in the, plant, in the plant. And later in the, in the movie, the friend says, hey, what happened to my plant? And it's just dead, <laughs> just decrepit and dried up. But no, they're talking well, about women and somehow she mentioned something about him being a woman and he says, no, no, I could never be a woman. I just stay at home and play with my breasts all day. <laughs> That's the best line of the movie. Because oh, yeah. how true. Right. Could you have a more truthful line? That's right. That's exactly right. So then they go to the museum and we learn what they do for fun. So he has these little shoes that turn into roller skates. And I found out those are not real shoes. Those were some Jordans that they made. You can't buy shoes like that. Weird. Um, but he roller skates through the museum and she records it. 
and yep. he calls it performance art. She calls it wasting time, but it's something they do together. And but then he, he keeps decide. these videotapes. Yeah, history will decide. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then uh, Sarah wants to interview him because she saw him on TV. But you I mean they both like each other. You can tell that there's more there. Yep. So she comes to his house. And then, Pete, you mentioned this line earlier in our podcast a few episodes ago. You know, he asked her, it would be so interesting to talk to him because of, oh, of the interesting word usements I structure. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of my favorite lines. I, I use that occasionally. Just I'll, yeah. I'll throw it out there. Um, and he's just a mess because and he says later that he feels like when he's around her, he's always showing off. And that's the idiot's version of trying to, like, impress somebody. And so right away, he's, like, thrown off and he's trying to impress her. But they go on this little tour in the car. And they were driving by and he talks about a historical tour of L.A. And he says, some of these houses are 20 years old. <laughs> and then he says, this one's a Greek revival house. They have to revive the Greek who lives there every morning. Here's a Tudor mansion and a four-door mansion. A four-door mansion. <laughs> <laughs> And then they end up at the uh, museum again of music um, and they look at a couple normal things, but then they find um, on display Beethoven's, Beethoven's balls. balls. Yes. <laughs> Which is one of those really weird things. Like, what the heck? And then <clears throat> and then do we go to the cemetery? Is that the next Yeah, scene? this is a great scene because we have our next cameo by one of Steve Martin's Rick. longtime great uh, co-stars. And Rick also Moranis. the last movie another... that he was in with Steve Martin. Oh, this was this was after what about my blue heaven? No, I thought I read this, year, this was this was, was his last. 90? I'll look it up. You you go ahead. Right. Well, you might be right. It was, it was right around here because he quit movies altogether right around this time. That's right. He hated so, the Hollywood lifestyle. Rick Moranis is digging a grave by hand and they walk by him and he's got this very thick British accent and he, he just loves to tell jokes. And, and Steve Martin says to uh, to Sarah, finally, a funny grave digger. <laughs> and this whole scene, by the way, is another tribute to Shakespeare. Yes, the it's whole a, thing is from Hamlet. Holding the skull. It's, it's a Hamlet thing, right. And he asks him, do you know how long it'll take a dead body to rot? And Steve Martin goes, boy, do we. <laughs> oh. Um, but... Then they and they go on and they quote the the whole scene from Hamlet back and forth, and she joins in too. And Rick Moran's like, she knows she's got it. And they just it was a nice little scene with that guy. And then they just keep on moving. But he he played a very memorable little role there. He did. Mm -hmm. I would like to Uncredited see Uncredited once again. All right. Then he does a pre-taped weather report because of his busy schedule, and this is what starts to really change his life here a little bit. But we don't find out right away. So he says 72 and sunny, 72 and sunny all the time, because that's what they do. But then it, there's a huge rainstorm. But before this, though, because you, oh. I thought this is where you're going with it. Um, he sees the road sign again, and the road sign says the weather will change your life twice. No, that comes later. I thought it was this one, because this no. is why he got canned. Anyway, No, because from here he goes... When it's raining, he goes to get his pants and the store is closed, but Sandy's there just leaving and she goes in to get them. And he says the reason he goes to get these pants is because he's a big, dumb male because he's going right. there just to, to see her. 
And I love again the, the fan. He when she goes in to get the pants, he turns to the camera and he fixes his hair in the camera. Say uh, one one thing I want to back up. I was looking up the My Blue Heaven thing. Did you guys mention the ATM scene? Because that was the date with. Uh... Well, that's that's coming. I've got this in order. That we didn't it's get to that up. yet. Oh, okay. I thought he was on the date with uh, Sarah. Come on. Well, this is no, not yet. Okay. Um, but. She leaves, the pants aren't done, so he leaves. And then he drives by the sign, and the sign says, you should have got her number. And he's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I should have. But th- but she got his number to call him about the pants. And so then we jump to, she called him, and they meet at the Hard Rock Cafe. And that's where we learn how to spell her name, because he's talking about how she has a normal name, unlike so many other people. And then she gives him this ridiculous spelling. Right. <laughs> and the funny part about this is, her boyfriend is there watching because he has suggested they see other people and he and he's, he's at him. the bar. <laughs> he's just this dude that's, and he's just staring too. And he looks just doesn't like a say anything, doesn't move. It's just a dead stare. Right. It's the age old story of a guy in a relationship who thinks that it'd be great if he didn't have to be exclusive, but then his girlfriend goes, okay, sure. And she's the one who constantly goes out on dates and he has right. to stay home because nobody else will date him. So just as a lovely, uh, lovely storyline there. As they're leaving the Hard Rock Cafe, we find that uh, Mary Lou Henner is walking in with his agent, Kevin Pollock. And so we yep. find out that she's actually cheating on him, but he doesn't see her. But then afterwards, him and Sandy are walking around and she's talking about how she's studying to be a spokesmodel because she always liked to point at things. <laughs> then they go to the ATM. OK, that was on the Sandy date. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a great scene because it's just a scene of them. There's a, there's two lines yeah, two on either lines. side of the ATM. And one person will go to the ATM, use it, get their cash, and a robber will immediately rob them. <laughs> yes. And then the next person will get their cash from the yep. ATM and immediately be robbed by the next person in the other line. And, and the guy comes and the robbers are so courteous, too. He comes hi, up to Steve friend, Martin Bob, and says, hi, my name is Bob. I'll be your robber. And Steve Martin says, oh, okay, here you go. Thank you. <laughs> right. And they, it's just a transaction. <laughs> we cut in this one. Roland is actually out with Sarah at the same time because he mm-hmm. asked her to get a hot dog. And there's another cameo here. Yep. And who do we see there? Paul Abdul. Just roller skating around in the background. She doesn't say anything. Yep. She's just, it, and I always thought it looked like her, but I never really believed it was because, like, why would she? I never even noticed. I, I never but, even noticed until I had found that in the fun facts. Yeah. But it yeah. is indeed her. Um, and Roland kisses Sarah because he's still in love with her and wants to start over. And and she says that was very nice. Thank you. Doesn't right. quite do the trick. She's obviously not into him. But At the end of the it. date, Sandy invites him to go to an enema later on yes. and <laughs> when they go to the enema there's a couple great lines there too she said it really clears out your head and he says head you should go back there and tell them they're doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> so was that um i wanted to go back to the next morning when he sees trudy Trudy. Or when they meet back up, his uh, Mary Lou. Hannah. Oh, yeah, I never. Yeah, okay. So now, yeah, that's he's back at her place again. Right. So he, she brings up that she went to the Hard Rock Cafe. She wants and, to be honest with him. Yep. And mm-hmm. he, of course, kind of freaks out, wondering if she saw him there, which they didn't see each other. And he he makes a joke of, "Who'd you go or who are you having sleeping sex with? with my agent?" 
yes having sex with my agent and she goes oh my god you know and his line was this is how i find out you tell me (laughs) and that line right there is why i know my brother saw this movie because when we watched this movie he laughed so hard at that line that i'll never forget because i was like is that really that funny but he thought that was the funniest thing. It is ever. funny. I it thought is it was funny. funny. And then she tells well, him that it's been going one. on. It's been going on for three years. And he goes, This what? has been going on since the 80s. <laughs> and he's acting all hurt. But right. as soon as but he leaves, he's, he's dancing he's down the stairs because he's so happy because he's first of all, he's done with her because he doesn't want to be there. But he's out of his agency because he hates his job because right. he doesn't want to be with him anymore either. So yeah. it was actually great news. Mm-hmm. And this is where. Um, he goes back to the sign and tells him how excited he is. Like, he goes to talk to the sign to say, hey, this is great. And that's when the sign tells him the weather will change your life twice. Yes. So this is then where the previous pre-taped weather comes back because it rained. Woody Harrelson, his boss, his boat, he went out because he believes his own weatherman's reports. And he had uh, he lost his boat or something happened that was really bad. And he fires him. And... And then there's a couple funny parts because Woody goes into an elevator and says, I never want to see your face again. And the elevator opens back up. I said, I never want to see your face again. <laughs> and then he walks by. And he realizes that that's and, and he says, sorry about your breakup. I always figured you guys weren't in tune. And he takes his head and just slams it against a metal <laughs> that fire was, alarm. That was noticeably <laughs> violent. <laughs> he yeah, just right. grabs it and just Bam. But then he realizes the weather just changed his life once because he got fired from his job. So the sign is, it's all making sense to him. And he's buying into this crazy situation. He's complaining to his friend Ariel, but she says, just call Sandy because you have somebody to go with. So then we get to our next great cameo, maybe the best one in the whole movie. He's going to call this fancy restaurant, Lidio, which, by the way, when you see it spelled is Le Idiot. Le Idiot, I, yes. <laughs> So he calls for a reservation, this fancy new restaurant, and and we've got Patrick Stewart, uh, who's doing this great oh accent. God, he's amazing. Well, he's amazing. it's a German restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess. And he's the maitre d' of the restaurant. And, and so when he, well, I should back up. First, when he calls, you can hear the other guy in the line saying, you can't get a reservation at that time, 5.30 or 8.30. said, okay, 5.30. And he says... What's your income? And he's asking all these personal questions. And he finally says, yeah, I guess I can come down there. So he has to go to the restaurant to finalize the reservation. And he meets Patrick Stewart face to face there with a couple of other guys, like at a mob table. <laughs> oh, I thought they were at a bank. Oh, and... oh yeah, you're right. Bank? It was okay. at a bank. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Well, it's, so they're it's looking the over all his financials then... to make sure that he can afford to come Stick to with a financial statement like this. <laughs> right. And they tell him well, you can't have the duck. You, can you have cannot the have the duck. <laughs> what I love is the menus. When they're looking at the menus, the picture on the menu is just like this guy that's yelling. <laughs> this like mean guy. Just totally imposing. Well, and I thought of the soup Nazi for him as well. Another yeah, sign yes. reference. You think with a financial statement like this, you can have the duck? <laughs> and so then he asks, Pete, what does he ask him? Because you love this line. Uh, the well, summer. You can say. Oh, where do you summer? And he goes, what? what? Where do I what? What? Where do you spend your summers? And he goes, right here in L.A. And he looks at the financial guy and he whispers to him. He goes, he can have the chicken. 
So and then he's he like, says, I like, I like a gamble. Well, before he says, but what am I date? I can't tell my date what to order. And he goes, well, you can certainly urge her in one direction. And he gets, and then Steve <laughs> Martin's like, well, either we go there and she orders what she wants or we call it off. And he gets all like nervous and like puts his head down. And then he goes, all right, I like a little gamble. <laughs> so he's excited, but then he says, we can see you in eight weeks. <laughs> so. That's that's a classic scene. That's a standalone scene that could you could just watch by itself. <clears throat> All right. Well, we then get another little voiceover, this time by Sarah, kind of working on her interview. And there's a nice line in here which fits in again with kind of what we talk about. Cause she Roland said LA is just a place where dreams go to die or something like that. And she says she thinks they've taken a desert and turned it into their dreams, which is kind of fitting because of the theme of the movie and where we're headed and, and the way that it, you know, it's being written. So she's actually kind of buying into that idea as well while she's there. Right. All right. Next scene, they're back at the museum, him and his friend. And he literally runs into and knocks over Sarah when he gets out of control. And Roland says, have you tried the Guggenheim? <laughs> he goes, I get that because it's round and it goes downhill. <laughs> Because the roller skates would work. <laughs> yes, all the roller skated. Oh, here's another great line, Pete. So he's saying a bunch of stuff to Roland. He's kind of panicky again because he's all nervous because of Sarah. And Roland just kind of cuts in and goes, you have a lot of verve. <laughs> verve. You have a lot of verve. And see Verve? Verve? <laughs> so we see them looking at this painting that we can't see. And again, he gives a ridiculously long explanation of the painting about these onlookers and all these things happening and this sexual stuff. And he ends it with, when I see a painting like this, I get emotionally erect. <laughs> and they all walk away. We see the painting and it's just this big red splotch of nothing. And they're all just listening to him for this whole time and indulging him. <clears throat> But then Roland and Sarah asked him to go out for dinner after, and he's all excited. He says, I've heard about this where you meet someone and you go out to dinner by chance, but it's never happened to me. And so <laughs> they're going to go and where? Where do they? Yep. They go to Le Idiot. And he says, Roland, I warn you, you can't get in there. It'll never happen. And Roland calls him on the phone in two seconds, and he's got a reservation. <laughs> so Steve Martin just can't get what's going on. We then see the restaurant and all these people going in, and we have our next uh, cameo. Mm -hmm. Of one yeah. of his great uh, friends from the 80s, Chevy Chase. One of the other amigos. And uh, yeah. Patrick Stewart is again there, and Chevy Chase is not getting the table he wants, and he just gets, he's, he's getting treated poorly, and that's just a funny scene as well. Well, and the interesting thing is, uh, in the scene, as the guests walk up, their face is scanned, and on a computer screen, you can see that it identifies who it is. How much they make what their last movie did, how much it made. So where they summer. About, right. And it's all about status again. The whole, the whole vapid superficial is all that's important in LA. You know, another, another look at that theme as well. And they get in there and they have a wrapping waiter. And of course the food is this tiny little, just nothing. And at the end they offer them floss and he says, I'll have floss. And then they can have either diet or regular <laughs> floss. <laughs> When they leave, the cameras are all flashing because of all these stars there, and the cameras are flashing. And when they, when they leave, they go, who's that? And they go, oh, they're nobodies. And everything just stops at Steve Martin, and they walk out. 
All right, so she takes him home because they had two different cars, and so it just worked out, of course, that she could Sarah could take him home. And when they get there, the car starts rolling. And so they get in because he figures what is happening after a second here that it's going to, like, take them. And it's a so mystical, it's, it's a, a whole mystical thing where the car won't right. unlock, then it starts rolling forward, the doors open. and They get in there, and they're still fighting, and he says, by the way. let me not drive. That was my favorite line of the movie. Oh. Right there. <laughs> Because the, the she gets in the driver's seat and she's freaking out because she doesn't know what's going on. He, yeah, on the other hand, anyway. he's used to the mysticism that's been happening. So he wants to get into the driver's seat. And that's his line. Let me not drive. Either. One of the subtle, funny things that happens here is when the car is going away and he's trying to grab it and he breaks off the luggage rack thing on the back. <laughs> yeah, And he's holding it. But I don't know if you caught it, but if you're paying attention, like when he's scrambling around, he tries to just put it away like a sword. <laughs> right. He tried. It looked like he tried to put it in his belt loop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then it looks like she thinks he's going to like hit her with it, too. It's, right. it's a, one of those great physical gags. Yes. They get there. The sign tells him to kiss her because she's just kind of talking nonstop like what this could be. He kisses her. She doesn't shut up. He kisses her again. And then... Um, so they go home, but she's all like, what the hell just happened? Like she, she kissed him back, but it's like, she's obviously very confused. And, um, I love this little, just, it's nothing, but when he gets home and he's happy, he takes that little fedora hat he wears and he flips it behind his back and catches it with his other hand. And I just, I just love that little scene too. Yep. We find out then, oh, oh, go go ahead. ahead. We find out in the morning. Oh my God. You go. Gifford, go. Oh my God, Gifford! Gifford, just go. Morning. Why she asked about the loud, sustained booming sounds? Because she plays the tuba, and there's a little um, cameo here too that you'd never get. But did you find that one? It's the guy from Monty Python. Yeah, the guy is Terry Jones from Monty Python plays the voice of her mother on the phone. So it's just some people would recognize that. Uh, so I love this scene. Then they go to dinner, but on the way they stop at a gas station and they ask if he wants full service or self-service. And he says full service. And they do this entire race car thing where they rotate his tires and they give him water to drink and the car full gets jacked up. Full service. <laughs> um, so that's fun. But they get to the, it's a formal thing. And he acts like he's sick and they go outside and then they just, they have sex right in the backyard. And they just go for it. Right. Um, well, and here was my question at the after they come back, is her dress on backwards and buttoned wrong, or is it just buttoned? No, I think it's, I thought it was I just unbuttoned. Just buttoned wrong. Just okay. unbuttoned. Like the top bit. button was and her hair is all yeah. disheveled. Right. So the lady gives him a look like. Yep. All right. So they're walking oh, down the street and they're really starting on. to talk now. And it's being set to, uh, I talked uh three weeks ago about one of my favorite 91 albums, Enya, and there's a bunch of Enya songs in here for the romance yeah. parts. So all right. Anyway, it's not going to work with her because she's going to go out with her ex this weekend, which he still doesn't know that's Roland. Even though they were together, he thinks mm-hmm. they're just friends. So he decides to ask Sandy to Santa Barbara for the weekend. Um, and he says, uh, we can't do this anymore. I'll just be using you. And she says, I don't mind. And he says, OK, let's go. <laughs> well, and He says, I, I don't know if I can make love to you. Yeah. And she's like, that's fine. We'll just have sex then. Yep. <laughs> that's a great. And again, she's still bouncing all over. Like she's jumping oh, on all his over. back. And she's. Well, that's where he grabs stop. her. Stops. That's where he, he grabs wants her. To say, I can't. We can't do this. But then, of course, she changes his mind. Yeah, she could change <laughs> just about anybody's mind. Any any straight man's mind. 
Speaking yep. of the contrasts, Pete, then we get, they're both end up just, of course, happening to go to the same place. And um, in which the car, is, by the way, the, the place they go to, El Pollo del Mar, which means chicken of chicken the sea. Of the sea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that place actually is not, that was just a random like mansion in Malibu where they used for movies like this. It's like a private beach. And, um, okay. But anyway, um, in the cars, we cut back and forth, and she's asking him these mindless, like, just trivia questions for fun, and they're all having fun. And then in the other car, Roland and Sarah are having this just completely ridiculous, high-minded conversation, which is complete opposite right. of their of their mm-hmm. mindless trivia to show the differences again. Mm-hmm. So they're about to have sex, because they get there, and she puts her hand on her boobs, and this is another puts, funny line. Yep. Yeah, she puts, puts his, his hand, hand she grabs it and puts yeah. his hand on her boob. This is Harris and uh, Sandy now. Yes. Yeah. And the he says... feel weird. <laughs> That's because they're real. real. Because they're real, right. Because <laughs> everybody well, knows he's got fake boobs. And this is, um, of course, they check in, unbeknownst to each other, to the same hotel, to uh, side-by-side rooms as well. Yes. These two couples. And so they start having sex... And Roland and Sarah hear people across the way and Roland gets all worked up and then they start to have sex. And when 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 uh, Harris Sandy. And, and Sandy get done, they hear them through the wall. And and then you also see these little scenes where they're imagining who they really want to be with. And right. of course, Harris and Sarah are imagining each other. But Sandy's got a picture of Lorenzo Lamas. And then they, and then they cut to uh, Roland, and it's Lorenzo Lamas again. The same picture. <laughs> same picture. That was Lorenzo Lamas? I thought it was Mel Gibson. I think it was Lorenzo Lamas. Okay. Or I'll somebody who looked just look like him. It. Okay. Um, but after that all happens, they both leave their rooms at the same time. So they run into each other. And this is where Roland takes off and just gets great. Um, I just love that guy. He's such a great actor. <laughs> as they go this is another one of the really weird lines they're walking down the stairs the two guys and there's a clanging sound and harris says what's that clanging sound <laughs> and roland goes uh it's a nuisance it's madame testicles <laughs> <laughs> still don't understand why that line's in there but it's funny right <laughs> sandy wanted well, to spin on the beach she's doing cartwheels they're just for spinning she's yep. doing cartwheels so it's all awkward because Roland and Sarah or Harris and Sarah know everything now, but they can't talk about it because of the other couples. Um, so they, they start to fight on the beach because Sandy's off spinning and Roland mm-hmm. went back to grab a sweater. And then Pete, here's your other favorite line. <laughs> He's coming back, running on the beach towards them. He just goes, I'm hot from from running now. <laughs> and it's not funny, but it's so funny. I stuttered. I'm hot from running now. There you go. Much better. Because Roland just says all kinds of dumb things. He just keeps talking. And he's so oblivious to what's going on. He's so happy. He, again, he's so happy. Yeah. The way he says Well, it. and this is where he says that uh, Harris is his best friend, right? Harris says that about Roland. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. And okay. she says, you just met him. And he goes, there's a bond among men. <laughs> well, they are Which, Eskimo brothers. I mean, and Harris doesn't have any other friends anyway, probably the way it sounds like. So. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So they're going to well, leave. Yeah. And, you know, it's pretty much done. So now he gives this big, long speech about how the day she's going to go back to England, if he could change the weather and the tides, he would do it so that the planes would be grounded. And 
doesn't convince her to stay. He also goes to her house and there's a funny line. If you've, he reads her a, a poem called Oh Pointy Birds, Oh Pointy mm-hmm. Pointy. That's a poem that he read and wrote in The Man with Two Brains oh, from like 10 that. years earlier. I didn't know that at the time. I brought, again, my brother caught that right away. Okay. Guy who said he hadn't seen this movie. So it's all serious now because she's leaving and he's sad. And the weather hired him back, but as a serious anchor now. Right. And the new weatherman is another uh, cameo. George Plimpton is the uh, oh. weatherman. Yeah, just said, and all he says is "sunny, seventy-two." <laughs> <laughs> but now this coming up, it's it's actually a really great uh, love story ending climax yeah. here. That what we're about to talk about, it's it's amazing. It, it's very powerful, and so he's sitting at home the way it's done, and he knows the plane's about to leave, and she's on the plane, and it's about to take off, and the and the Enya songs start playing. And these giant storms come and they show all these compasses spinning out of control and all this stuff happening. And the plane turns around and parks back and she's obviously not going to get out. And then he looks out his window and she takes a cab back to his house. And as he sees her drive up, he goes, that's twice because the weather will change his life twice. They have an embrace and a kiss. They go back to the sign one more time so that she can see the sign and he can explain everything. And then what ties it all nicely together is the sign gave him this weird riddle the first night he was there and said, he asked the sign, what do I do now? And the sign says, you will know what to do when you unscramble how daddy is doing. And throughout the movie, you see him kind of working on it, like what the heck is this riddle? And she sees that and she knows the answer, which is just pointless. Mm -hmm. Sing Right away, she's able to... Yeah, and then yeah, it makes no sense. But then the sign explains. I had little. I I had no time to put it together. I had to think of like something that. fast. Yeah, I had to think of something fast. So they end up together, and uh, yep. the rest is history. And then they got divorced Wait. years later. <laughs> not not in movie. Wow, man. what a what a buzzkill. So speaking of cameos, um, there were three other cameos in here too. One of them, which I still don't know where, because it's never said where he's in it, but Martin Lawrence is apparently in this movie somewhere. Um, oh. But all the other cameos, there's a name behind him. He doesn't, so he must just be like a background character. Or I something. thought I Maybe read something like... where there was cameos that were cut. That's Harry that... Zell, his boss that he refers to is John Lithgow. That's, yes. And then he had a one. neighbor who taught Scott him Bakula. with Scott Bakula and they were both he cut was a out. boxer. Yeah. He was a boxer. Okay. Those are the two I read about. Yep. Yeah. Martin Lawrence. I hadn't seen anything on that one. Yeah. So, um, I'm sorry that was long, but I, it's my favorite movie of all time. Thank you for indulging me. So Gifford, I, now, that we're, that was great. now that we're done, Gifford, tell me your real thoughts. I really did enjoy it. I think that the fact that it started zany and set you on that path from the get-go, from the immediacy of, like you said, um, the uh, the opening credits. I didn't catch on to it quite that quick because, you know, there's a song going on and, you know, they're just setting up the movie. I didn't know if the movie would be like that, but that opening, that opening commute scene sets the movie, sets you on the right mindset for the movie. So you're ready for... Again, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I love the earthquake scene where the people just come jittering by. You know, <laughs> why does she play the tuba 
it's just one of those yeah. things that it ties it back in the conversation they had at what well and point okay in the so the song that she's playing is she's playing do what diddy yeah you yep at the end that you the, realize is the unscrambling of the how is daddy doing right so yeah i mean it it sets you up for that um so I did enjoy it. I mean, there were so many lines that I didn't even write down because I was laughing, um, but I would stop, go back and write down the ones I did because those really did um, hit me. But there's so many quick little lines that are dry and I I just really enjoyed that. So now you got to watch it again without your notebook and just uh, mm -hmm. enjoy just it. Enjoy well, it. that is one thing I will say. I did have to buy this movie off of Amazon in order to watch it. So I, I did too, it. but it was worth it. It's only $9.99. I have it for the rest of my life. I did not buy it in HD. I figured it wasn't a big action movie, so I could oh buy God. it for $2 less in SD. Oh, um, I can't even imagine watching it. a non-HD movie at this point. That sounds horrible. It yeah. wasn't that bad because there's no big action scenes and you know stuff like that. So I figured I'd save myself the two bucks. Wow. I feel like I got. What are you going like to do with that extra two? Our next episode, <laughs> we explore what Gifford will do with that extra two dollars. Well, I did. I did. Give it to um, the better off dead kid. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I exactly. I did uh, sign up for Apple TV today to watch uh, one of our subjects for uh, for next month. Yeah, so you, you, oh, I can't wait. A little teaser. I do need. I do need to budget a little bit because of uh, all the things I need, all the services we buy to. Um, do our research all right and pete apparently you still love it too glad to oh, hear god it gets better every time you watch it oh that's so nice to hear. so everybody should go watch it right <laughs> you should you should yes. when you're not listening to pop culture yearbook you should be watching la story well ideally everybody would listen to the podcast and then immediately afterwards go and yeah watch or listen to the uh things that we that we speak of that's what we hope. That's right. Yeah, that's that's the goal. All right. And we, and we got a little long money. this month. Um, we'll try to cut our times back down in the next month. But we had some things that were really important to us here this month. So, yeah, yeah. sorry. Well, and for us, chest. 91, 91 was a pretty formative well, year for us. That's true. You know, so you're talking, right. you know, we're all 15 years old in this in this year or turned 15 yeah. in this year. And, you know, that's that's a pretty big time for for you in your pop culture education. It was so also one, a really great year for movies, right? One final thing to do here. We've got our list of best movies of the year, which we have not yet done. So obviously my number one is LA story, but there's going to be some others brought up. So, mm -hmm. right. How about Pete? You go first. I will work my way from the bottom up. Um, number five, I had boys in a hood, which we talked about in one of our lost episodes, a great, ep a great movie. Um, number four, naked gun two, uh, two and a half came out in 91. Um, huge fan of the naked gun movies. Um, two and a half did not disappoint a lot of great lines in it. Um, mm -hmm. I did have point break in here. Oh, really? Um, I had Cape fear and LA story was my number one. Oh, that's so great. Honorable awesome. mention, uh, Silence of the Lambs, um, Hot Shots. I loved that movie back in the day. It'd be interesting to watch it again and see if it ages well. Yep. I don't know. Um, and Terminator 2 Judgment Day came out in 91. And um, I like that one. And I remember watching that one more than the original Terminator. 
that's because it's better than the original Terminator. It's, yeah, yeah, it yep. probably. And was. then it went way downhill, really, 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 really fast. Yes, yes, one. it did. <laughs> but it's a that Terminator Two is a great, great film. Yep. Gifford, over to you. Well, I'll just start with a few of my honorable mentions, um, ones that Pete hadn't said already. Uh, what about Bob came out this year with uh, Bill Murray? Oh, did uh, it? City That's a good Slickers. One. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, despite me hating the uh, Brian Adams song, um, I did really enjoy that movie. See, uh, I did... used to like that movie, uh, but then the more and more I watched that one, I hated it more and more every time I saw it. I think it's terrible. <laughs> well, and but you're, you're entitled to your own opinion. I'm just saying that it got worse every time I saw it. Well, and to me, the what's Oh God, I'm trying to. Oh, here we go. To me, the performance that stands out in that movie is Alan Rickman as the sheriff of Nottingham. Yes, of I, course. I, I it's always him. Alan Rickman. Right. I loved. I loved him in that movie. So that's that's why I wanted to mention here again today. Um, the super necessary roughness, JFK, and um, uh, another movie by our man of the evening, uh, Father of the Bride, also came out this year. But my number five. Wait a minute. Was what? How am I missing that? I think I thought that was ninety two. Was it? I thought I looked it up and it was ninety one. No, go ahead. I because I can't believe I don't have it on my list. That's ridiculous. But I think you're right. Would you like I, the sheep or chicken? <laughs> somehow I completely missed that one for some reason. Go on. So my number five is backdraft. Uh, number four, boys in the hood. Number three was Point Break. My number two is Terminator 2. And number one, Silence of the Lambs. All right. Now, I just remembered actually what I did here. So I'll get to that in a second. All right. A uh, couple honorable mentions that you haven't said yet. Beauty and the Beast came out that year. One of the great Disney's. Um, JFK, you did say. I brought this up before. The Commitments. Gifford, I've told you to watch this movie multiple times. Mm -hmm. I don't think you've watched it yet, but I'm going to keep I, bringing I it up. I have not yet, but I've also written down Spanish Prisoner tonight as okay, well. Okay, so. there's two. Um, the movie Dead Again, which was like a Kenneth Branagh's first movie and Emma Thompson was in it. It's just an awesome, weird, like psychological, time-traveling, weird thriller. It's so good. I love it. I watched it a whole bunch of times. And then The Man in the Moon came out that year, which was one of Reese Witherspoon's first movies. And it's a great, sad, uh, it's a great movie. But it's also when I, like, I loved her. So mm -hmm. that's when I met her. Uh, my top five. I don't think any of you said this yet. Number five, Thelma and Louise. Never seen it. Oh, my God. That is such a great movie. Number four, Boys in the Hood. Number three, Silence of the Lambs. Number two, Cape Fear, which if I was going to pick a different movie, that'd probably be my pick. I've seen Cape Fear so many times. And this was like if prime. If our good friend Ryan Hummel was on the show, yeah. that's what he would have picked. This was prime uh, getting to know Robert De Niro phase after Goodfellas, where I'm like sucked into all the Scorsese De Niro movies. And this was just, it was so awesome. What I did for number one is L.A. Story, but actually I combined it with Father of the Bride as Steve Martin because mm -hmm. I love I love Father of the Bride, too, in it yep. completely. And so instead of having them separate, I just lumped them in as two of the best Steve Martin movies that ever came out that year um, yep. I put together. And a blue tuxedo. <laughs> All right. That's amazing. 
So I think Speaking we can of, finally, after long last, put the put that was the, a that was a marathon. Put well, the, and what uh, do we do? Close the old what, yearbook up. Yes, we have to close the yearbook. Great year, ninety-one. All right. Yes. So uh, what are they going to do next week? I, I I don't know. We're going to be getting into a a whole current year. Twenty twenty is coming up next. So <laughs> current year. Yeah. All and right. We got a I'm lot of great forward to it. Coming. We do. So I just brought up our good friend who uh, really loves Cape Fear. He happens to be a drummer uh, for our favorite band, Preacher Row. Yes. Let's uh, crank it up a little bit. All right. All, All right. right. We'll see you guys next in the next year. Bye. Thank you for the lunch. Thank you for the lunch and enema. <laughs>